Views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Good morning. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of Panhandle Live. Marsha Kavalik here with you. Jordan Nicewarner is taking a much-deserved day off as he prepares to uh, do the play-by-play for the semifinals that Shepard is involved in uh, in Michigan this weekend. So uh, very proud of him for uh, his efforts and Travis Hansford, of course. They are so much fun to listen to. Hopefully you'll get a chance to listen to them and their play-by-play on Saturday on the Big Dog 95.9. But we soldier on here and our fun on Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all their legal needs. Uh, you can contact them online at suttonandjanelle.com or visit them at their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. We appreciate our sponsors for bringing local radio to you. I hope you are like me and you grew up uh, with radio as a background for your day and you start out with the news and uh, you listen to a little music, then you listen to a little news again. But uh, thanks to community sponsors like Sutton and Janelle and, of course, Home Helpers Home Care who bring uh, spotlight to you every weekend. We really appreciate Appreciate their being part of our broadcast family here on uh, WEPM and WCST. Uh, wanted to bring to you a redo of yesterday. Uh, we we talked. We sat down with Sheriff uh, Nathan Harmon, and some news is broken today uh, regarding the writ of mandamus that Alley Cat Allies has uh, produced against Berkeley County animal control, accusing the officers of willfully neglecting care, withholding care from some of the animals in their uh, care. I know uh, Sheriff Harmon talked about how he had done kind of an investigation to see, um, you know, how things were working in animal control before he really took um, took office. Some of the allegations go back to 2020. He has his theories about why Alley Cat Alley's, uh, Allies has uh, put this writ out. It's not a suit. It is a writ of mandamus, which is asking the state Supreme Court to uh, basically tell the sheriff's office to comply with uh, care practices that are set up to, uh, to um, prevent uh, animal cruelty. Uh, sheriff Harmon has a press conference planned today at 10 o'clock at the sheriff's office. The writ of mandamus, the copy of that, the press release from Alley Cat Allies, is part of a story that I've posted at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. So you should be able to go, and if you want to read that while you're listening here, I'm going to replay our visit with Sheriff Harmon uh, from yesterday's Panhandle Live, and let's listen in. Berkeley County Sheriff Nathan Harmon, how are you doing this morning? Thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. So uh, one of the, the big items of interest, topical things is, uh, and you're going to have a press conference, as a matter of fact, um, a complaint by a group called Alley Cat Allies. So talk about that, because as part of the your job as the sheriff is you also oversee animal control in the county as yes. well. So talk yeah. about that. And, and you know, as as um, as any person would taking either over a business or coming in new as, as management, you do an assessment of things and you evaluate things. How can we do things more efficiently? How can we save a dollar here or there? You know, what's, what, you know, what kind of equipment's needed, training, and I'm – 
uh, I've never been quiet about training. I'm a huge advocate of training and, and just getting our folks that work for us the, at the best place that they can be. And, um, you know, just with the same with the deputies, you know, I'm not going to same thing with animal control officers. And I got to tell you, these, these folks do a, uh, thankless job in terms of, you know, their, their reward is saving the animal. And, and truth be told, we've had a very good working relationship with Alley Cat Allies, which is a nonprofit. You know, when this came out, it was, it was a huge kick in the gut because how do you have a good working relationship with folks? And then they turn around and, and, and just completely become hypocritical in, in their remarks. Now, and this is what really was upsetting to me was that they put in their writ of mandamus, which their their writ is just simply just uh, asking the Supreme Court to tell us to do our jobs. That's that's what that is. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 so ridiculous. But what was really offending was the language in there that these officers intentionally, negligently, and purposefully refused medical treatment to these animals mm-hmm. for upwards of 10 to 15 days. And you're saying that did not happen. Completely, if, if at, the, at the very least, an embellishment, at the most, a fabrication. And it, it's, it's honestly an organization that took one route to thoroughly investigate something, as they supposedly say. But in, I know when I've done an investigation, I'm going to talk to all the suspects, and witnesses, and I'm going to garner that information uh, because we know that even those can be skewed a little bit. But and then I'm going to gather evidence and stuff. And I can assure you now that Chief Jones, Captain Gardner, and myself did not receive a single phone call from this organization. Not to sit down and say hello. Uh, this is what's being echoed to our organizations. Can you please look into it? And I, truth be told, when I came in, there were some efficiency issues that I wanted to address, and we did. And there's some allegations in there back from 2020. Hmm. So Prior to the, me even taking office, the other ones were, uh, you know, we, we addressed any concerns with animal control back in February. So they they named specific dates and, and types of animals in that. They were very specific about some of these incidences, mm-hmm. but they never came to you guys first. Not once. Hmm. So uh, what are they hoping to gain aside from embarrassing the, the department? Well, here, you know, um, completely my professional opinion on this one, but I want you to, to, I want to paint a broad picture for you. They file a suit on Tuesday, the, the, the national day of giving mm-hmm. just before Thanksgiving. When no one's looking, when no one's really, what are we focused on? We're focused on family, right? Tuesday, the same day they file a lawsuit, they purchase acreage in Berkeley County. You have a CEO that's making six figures who's got their million-dollar home built by the same donations. Now, I'm not slinging mud or anything, but I'm going to tell you something. We've got a humane society here, and I couldn't think of, you know, if you're going to duplicate services, okay, We've utilized this rescue as well as other rescues, uh, and, and it's been a benefit. Uh, do they need to establish a bigger footprint here? That's not my choice. Right. Um, how they're going about doing it is completely unethical and unprofessional, and it, I can't think of a more profound um, and, and negligent way to do it. You're literally planting the seed in folks' minds, social media-wise, mm-hmm. that that – that 
Alley Cat Allies is so needed here because there's so much abuse going on with Berkeley County Animal Control. And, and now you're going to point a finger at an organization to justify your existence here. Right. There's better ways to do that. So let's talk about some of the intake process because if a, if a, a little doggo get, goes missing and animal control happens to pick the dog up, um, sometimes there are injuries that an officer may not see. Maybe the dog has been hit by a car and, and dogs are really good at hiding mm-hmm. their injuries that's mm-hmm. built in, baked into who they are. Um, and maybe the dog sits there for a couple of days and, and the injury doesn't manifest itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what is timely care then? And, and what process is in place to fund a vet visit or vet care for an injured animal or a suspected injury? Yeah. So, um, you know, Samson, he's my black and tan, uh, German shepherd and, uh, a funny story on a, our cat that we had named savior, but I'll save that for later, <laughs> but it's a, I'm an animal lover. Right. So, so being an animal owner, you know, I'm assessing the animal. Now these animal control officers get level one, level two, level three investigatory classes as it pertains to animal care. Right. We're even looking at equine uh, care and and training and whatnot. Um, But by no means does it even sniff close to a veterinarian type of education. Mm -hmm. You are simply assessing it like you would your, your family member. Mm -hmm. You're, you're looking, okay, you're limping. Okay. Your leg hurts. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, There's a laceration. You're bleeding. Okay. But these, we're talking about animals got fur all over them. So some things are seen, some things are obvious and and whatnot. So these, the animal control officers are trained to, to do a basic assessment. And if there's doubt question and so forth, then they make a phone call. All right. And, and we, there's veterinarians and, and being, one of the awesome things about being located in tri-state area is we reach in Winchester, we reach into other mm-hmm. rescues and stuff. We have the resources to reach out to folks. Now, not always is it immediate that we get an answer because, you know, you're talking sometimes late at night, two yeah. in the morning or, or so forth. Now, here's, here's my worst nightmare. We hurry up and rush and treat the animal. But the priority is to find the owner, mm-hmm. right? Because you could potentially make a bad situation worse by uh, not having any medical record right, on not a, having the history. Yeah. They can give comfort care, but by no means is it a perfect process because we're all human. We're doing our best assessment that we can, completely embellished in regards to 10, 15 days lapse of, of non-care. Um, there's, there's exigent circumstances that aren't being divulged mm. uh, that, that, that takes place there. And that I wish they would have took a more holistic in their thorough investigation uh look at what the processes are again now speaking with berkeley county sheriff nathan Harmon. so once again you um of course there's going to be a press conference today at the sheriff's office uh, nathan Harmon uh, plans to address some of those concerns uh if you want to read the actual complaint it is at our website panhandlenewsnetwork.com uh it's at the story that i've posted and it's towards the bottom you can read the whole complaint from alley cat allies Always uh, more than, you know, two or more sides to every story, but we wanted to bring this uh, to you this morning uh, and hopefully uh, things will get resolved. But uh, anyway, so that's where we stand right now. Press conference at 10 o'clock at the sheriff's office. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kabalik. Welcome back in. Busy news day. Of course, there's a story posted on our Panhandle News Network uh dot com page about a road rage incident uh, that resulted in murder yesterday. The story is up there. The suspect has been arrested, I believe, in Pennsylvania. So uh, you can read that and more at Panhandle 
newsnetwork.com. Continuing our uh, all-encompassing news day, I wanted to let you in on an interview that we did uh, last week with uh, Steve Allen. He's the director of emergency management uh, over in Jefferson County. If you saw any flurries on your way to work this morning, you know, he's got some tips for you as uh, winter weather is upon us and some tips, some seasonal tips on how to stay safe, uh, bringing a live Christmas tree into your home as well. So let's listen in on that. First up, let's get some tips about, you know, when, you know, we're thinking about winter and winter driving. What should we be doing right now? Okay, um, and I'm going to start all the way at the beginning. And number one being know the hazards. Know what uh, types of hazards that uh, uh, we, we are subjected to here in uh, the eastern panhandle, such as winter storms, flooding, uh, the uh, summer storms, severe thunder, thunderstorms, and things like that. So know what weather and of course when we start talking winter we're looking at our winter storms so the big things with winter storms is to know what the different types of winter storms we are subjected to and i'll give you a couple of ideas Um, of course freezing rain and that's one big thing and freezing rain is really in my estimation more than just snow freezing rain brings down power lines it causes power outages uh, also, trees coming down onto the power lines, as well as down on vehicles that may be running up and down the roads. So as you're going up and down the roads and around curves, you don't know that there's a tree in the middle of the road. And uh, just this past weekend, I heard a report of a tree down uh, in the road. Uh, and, uh, of course, when they called the Department of Highways and also the local fire departments to go out and uh, cut down the remaining part of the tree, uh, if it's around a curve, you don't know until you get there, mm-hmm. uh, unless uh, the emergency services, emergency uh, agencies are already on the scene. So those are uh, just one big point. Also, to make sure that you have a disaster supply kit. Um, and uh, By disaster supply kit... So I was going to ask talking, you, what are you putting in a disaster supply kit? Okay, now when we start talking about um, uh, in your homes... You want a three-day supply of some non-perishable food, uh, canned foods, things like that, or packaged so that uh, you can just add water. Uh, Also, um, when we talk about water, having a three-day supply of water, a big thing, and everybody normally now has them, are battery-powered radios um, or uh, also watching television and our cell phones and knowing that your cell phone, you have a, a charger, uh, whether you're in the home or if you're in a vehicle where you have a vehicular charger that you can plug it in going down the road because you don't know uh, what you're going to run into. And, of course, uh, with Interstate 81 and Route 9, Route 340 here in Jefferson County along with Route 9, um, we always have those possibilities of long lines of traffic tie-ups. So, um, and when you start talking about winter storms, and where the traffic can be tied up. It could be, you know, a matter of life or death sometimes to, to be able to be prepared for those types of things. So it sounds as though, Steve, you're talking about a disaster kit for home with, you know, three days supply of water and food and, and medication that you might need. But also if you're taking a trip in the wintertime, especially some of the usual suspects, be, uh, be prepared to be stuck in traffic for a number of hours. What should someone have in a vehicle um, with that in mind? 
Well, you want to always make sure that uh, you have um, heavy clothing along with you in the vehicle as well as a, a small supply of uh, uh, provisions, food, and, and water because water is very important. Um, also, um, before you take your trips, if you're going out, to winterize your car, making sure that the battery and ignition system is good, your antifreeze levels are good. Uh, also, if you have uh, with your windshield wipers, make sure that they are good. Oof, I got to go get new windshield wipers. See, isn't uh, this important stuff to I know? I know it. Exactly, exactly. We don't really notice those things until they start squeaking yeah. when you get uh, when you start moving them during the exactly. blizzard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I also want to um, reinforce, uh, you know, checking your tires. Uh, mud snow tires aren't always great um, if you're going to be. Uh, trapped in a winter storm. You know, snow tires are always a lot better for the traction. Of course, even though you have four-wheel drive, it doesn't always mean, or all-wheel drive, it doesn't always mean that you're going to get everywhere. So that's one thing. And the, the big point is, if you don't need to travel during winter storms, stay home. Mm. Stay well, in, let the uh, Department of Highways uh, clear the roads and things like that. So those are always really important things to do. We've certainly heard stories around here and down, you know, southern West Virginia where people get stuck on the mountain overnight because they just can't get the, the plows in and get everything cleared in time. So if someone is, you know, potentially going to be stuck in a car with their children and their pet for several hours, they're not going to be able to just keep running their engine. What should they pack in those eventualities? Of course, you, you want to always make sure that you have uh, the um, um, uh, change of clothing and those, those food supplies and the water. Um, also, if they get um, caught out, of course, they want to conserve the fuel in the vehicle. Uh, and and if, uh, if you're caught in that blizzard, you want to pull off of the highway and turn on your four-way flashers. And then uh, if you're able to, if you have some type of distress flag or a piece of material that you can hang on the antennas, and many of our vehicles now don't have antennas, so about the only thing you can do is turn on your four-way flashers and um, as it, uh, if you can tie off to that, that small antenna on the top. Remain in the vehicle uh, so that you don't, um, uh, someone that comes along will be able to help you out and, uh, you know, get you to, to uh, a safer location. And when I'm talking about people to help you out, I'm talking when you're, you're calling uh, on your cell phone to report that you're off the side of the road and that you need help, those types of things. Run the engine and that heater for about 10 minutes for every hour just so that you can keep warm. But like I said, you want to conserve that gasoline so that you don't run out of gas and then, of course, run out of heat. So conserve it, run it for about 10 minutes on each hour, um, th those types of things. So what should we be thinking about at home now, too, for the uh, holidays? I mean, I know there's a lot of scams going around this time of year. And then, of course, you have just the normal decoration safety. Like uh, if you have a real tree at the house, that's always a big thing that that could catch on fire and take everything out. So We were just sucking all the fun out yeah, of the holidays today. Right? <laughs> hey, but these are important things to talk about. So uh, uh, what are some of the things that we need to start thinking about at home, too, during the holidays? Well, of course, um, I always advocate for having a weather alert radio. Or also, with our new phones that we have, you can also program those and, and go to uh, FEMA.gov and be able to download um, a really nice app on your phone. 
so that you can be alerted to the different weather. Of course, here in Jefferson County, we also have what's called Nixle. I know Berkeley County has another alert system as well. Uh, but just so that you are alerted that we have these heavy snows impending and, and knowing that uh, what's going to happen. So listen to the radio, of course. Uh, eat regularly and drink plenty of fluids as well um, if, you're, if you're called in home. Also, uh, when it does snow, um, avoid overexertion if you're going to go out and clear your driveway and so forth. It can bring along or uh, bring on a heart attack, and that's a major cause of death in the winter are heart attacks. Uh, know your neighbors. Um, also, uh, and, and if you do have to go out, watch for those signs of hypothermia. Uh, the uncontrolled shivering, um, things of that nature. And I want to start talking a little bit about, you know, when it does snow, we think, oh, great, we'll be, we'll be uh, you know, a bug in a rug, snug as a bug in a rug. Many times now, a lot of people are using wood stoves. And uh, the wood stoves or kerosene heaters, of, mm-hmm. um, of course, kerosene heaters, you need to have um, a, a crack uh, so that you get fresh air coming in so that uh, you don't suffer from carbon monoxide with a kerosene heater. So, like, crack a window, crack a door to the outside? That's exactly right. So you want to make sure that. Also, uh, in talking with wood stoves, kind of the same thing. You need to make sure that uh, you don't you aren't overcome by carbon monoxide, and that always points out that the need for carbon monoxide detectors and smoke detectors if you're using those types of fuel. If you're using fuel oil or uh, kerosene or wood stoves, you want to make sure that you have a carbon monoxide detector in there along, uh, along with a smoke detector. Because smoke detector doesn't always, uh, and we used to think, well, smoke detectors are great, but if we're uh, heating our homes with wood stoves, kerosene heaters, uh, using a fireplace or anything like that, You've got to make sure that you don't uh, you you aren't overcome with carbon monoxide. So um, and uh, I'll start talking a little bit about the wood stoves. Make sure number one that the wood stove is uh, if if you do decide to go out and and purchase one uh, that you have that you find one that's underwriter laboratories um, tested and that it's it's correct. And also you want to make sure that you check with the local engineering department, either uh, the county engineering or municipality engineering, uh, to make sure that everything was installed correctly. Also, uh, with wood stoves, um, when we start getting real cold weather, a lot of people really have those things cranked up. Oh, yeah. I used to have a wood stove at a house me and my buddies had back in the day. Goodness, that thing would heat up the house in a second. And you loved it, right? Loved it. Loved every second of it. But, um, and, and uh, a real safety point to, to uh, bring up is you don't get close to the wood stoves, right? And right. you don't have them, uh, you don't have furniture next to them. You have a good distance away, things Oof. like that. So I that, wish we could say that we uh, abided by a few of those rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, during the winter, um, we, we, uh, we have a lot of um, chimney fires as well as uh, home fires because people have um, either linens or they have clothes or things like that that are too close to these um, um, heaters or fireplaces or wood stoves. So it's always really important to make sure that you keep that area clear around them. Um, As well as uh, making sure that uh, if you have a wood stove or a fireplace, 
that you check that chimney. Get that chimney inspected at least once a year uh, before your heating season so that you know that, in fact, it's good, it's not going to be clogged up, um, uh, where you would have a chimney fire because a lot of our local fire departments, we have a lot of chimney fires during the winter months. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only home fires or house fires or structure fires, but chimney fires where uh, uh, had, had uh, we had the uh, chimney inspected, the fire department wouldn't have to be going out and trying to clear out the chimney, get the creosote out of it, and things of that nature. Yeah, we're speaking with Steve Allen, Director of Jefferson County Homeland Security and Emergency Management. So, Steve, you talked about wood stoves and kerosene heaters, but a lot of us use like those little plug-in electrical heaters, and some of them look like little pieces of furniture, mm-hmm. but that yardstick rule still applies. Like You don't want to have clothes or curtains around yeah. uh, within three feet of that, right? Absolutely, Marcia. You bring up a great point with that. Those little uh, the little 110-volt uh, units that the ceramic heaters, you still need to keep that, that space away from uh, any combustible materials. You're exactly right. Uh, some people have never had a, a real tree in their home, and some of them are getting early because they're afraid they'll be all sold out. So talk about keeping safe with a real live tree in your home. Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up, Marcia. It brings up a really good point. When you purchase a live tree, you need to make sure uh, that you check for freshness. Uh, your fresher trees are going to be green. The needles will be hard to pull from the branches when bent between your fingers. Uh, fresh needles don't break. Uh, um, if, if, you, if you bounce the tree on the ground, the fresh needles don't break or, or fall off. So that you, that's one of the big things you want to make sure. So make sure that you have good needles. Also, to keep it fresh, cut off about two inches from your, the trunk of the tree to expose the fresh wood for better absorption of the water. If you're not going to take it in right away, keep it stored outside of the house so it doesn't dry out prematurely. And uh, keep that stand filled with water. Check it on a daily basis. Again, that was Steve Allen from Jefferson County Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Management. We appreciate his wisdom uh, that he imparts on, on a monthly basis here on Panhandle Live. Thank you so much uh, to Steve. You can listen to the full interview there on our Panhandle Live Spotify or Facebook page. More Panhandle Live after this quick break. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back into Panhandle Live. Marsh Kavalik here flying solo. Jordan Ice Warner gave me an assist, though. I had a question, so I texted him. So I'm not giving him the complete day off, unfortunately. But Panhandle Live is brought to you locally by Sutton and Janelle. They're your full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, Mediation, they provide legal counsel tailored to your needs. You can visit them online at suttonandjanelle.com or their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. So thanks for sponsoring local radio. And of course, you can listen to um, an amalgamation, a best of uh, every weekend on all five of our stations here at the Martinsburg Cluster when we run a Panhandle Spotlight every weekend. Joining us via phone right now, Hopefully they can hear me. Oh. Guests, are you there? Can you hear us? 
I can. Thank you. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so bad at this whole phone thing. <laughs> but um, joining us via phone right now, Annette Jordan, the leadership teacher at Hedgesville High School. And I'm going to let you introduce your guests. Um, so who's on with us? Okay, I have two of my students with me. I have Danica Props, who is a senior um, at Hedgesville, and I have Ethan Bechtel, who is also a senior this year at Hedgesville. Welcome in, Danica and Ethan. So um, I was promised that you guys are going to tell us what all you guys are up to. Oh, my. We're up to a lot right now. Just this week, um, we have been bagging like 2,000 bags for the backpack program um, for their Christmas bagging. Um, these bags are donated by Martins and the faculty. These bags will only last about three weeks because they are currently bagging around 550 bags a week. So are are these for for Christmas break or? Yes, they are for Christmas break for the backpack program. That's amazing. So it's not just Danica and Ethan, right? You guys have a lot more help, right? Yes, we have a lot, a lot more help. It's not just us. How many students are involved in leadership? Um, I'd say close to 25 total. Wow. Close to 25, yep. And then... So leadership by serving, right? Could you repeat that question? I'm sorry. At leadership by serving, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, we like to really help out the community when we can. So either of you can take this uh, question, but uh, when I think of leadership... Uh, programs like we have the county leadership programs in Jefferson and Berkeley County. They usually bring folks uh, to the state capitol to learn about government leadership. Uh, also, a lot of folks are interested in business. Does that uh, uh, hold true for you guys? Do you plan to go into the business world or political world after graduation? I think some of the students do, but a lot of us, we like to just be leaders in our community and just help out when we can around the community. How about How about you, Danica? Um, same for me. We mainly do a lot of work in our school and a lot of community service. So what what involves uh, getting into leadership? Um, obviously, you guys have a heart to serve, but um, and it's going to look good on a resume. Let's just put that out there, too. But um, how much good can you do in a school setting as a leadership class? Oh, we do a lot. Um, our class planned the homecoming pep rally in the homecoming dance this year and it was a big challenge for us because we had to um, handle all the COVID restrictions. We had to do pre-packaged food, masks, and we had to limit the number of guests at the dance. And we also had the pep rally outdoors. We planned dress-up days, hallway decorating, and class competitions and it really helped it feel more normal. That was our big project so far this year in the school and that really helped a lot of kids during this time when we're just trying to get back to life like normal during COVID. So Danica, let me ask you this. What grade are you in? I'm a senior. So you've had a couple of years of interruption because of COVID. Um, So talk about what it was, you know, what it was like kind of slowly. And I know you said the venue may have changed and some of these other restrictions were in place. How important was it to bring homecoming back? Oh, it was really important. Last year, we were also in leadership, and we tried our best to do everything we could, being in and out of school, um, to really make it feel like school. And the in-person learning environment is so helpful. And really, a difference this year, we've had so many more kids come out to sports games, football, volleyball. I think everyone just really wants things to be normal, and we kind of help with that in any way we can to organize events for students just to get more fun back in school. How about you, Ethan? Uh, what's it meant to you to be able to bring some of these to the student population? I think it's great. I'm a senior too, so my years have 
it's been interrupted, so I didn't get to have my full sophomore year, really a junior year at all. It was a very different. So this year it's been really cool and just awesome to be able to go to homecoming, all the events, like an actual pep rally that wasn't forced or really fast. Like it felt like a lot of fun. Everybody got involved. Everybody was laughing, having fun. And we've had more of a normal, and I know there have been some hiccups, but more of a normal sports season as well. I know last year a lot of teams weren't able to compete in their playoffs and and all of that because of COVID protocol. Uh, How's that been received at Hedgesville High School? Because you guys have some uh, pretty awesome sports teams. Yeah, it's been really good to be able to go to the sports teams, not just hear about them. Like We get to go and watch. We all get to be very involved. Yeah, and our student section at Hedgesville is actually number two in the state. So Really? Yeah, so it's really cool to be able to be a part of that and get to go have fun with everybody. And you guys students like to get involved in that. You guys do a lot of the behind the scenes work when you're in leadership or some of those committees, like um, like Danik said, decorating the halls, decorating lockers, and all of that stuff uh, really uh, adds to that whole vibe, right? Yeah, it does. Like even though leadership isn't directly involved in some of those, a lot of the students in leadership are, so they get to they get to work together while in leadership to get those things getting going. I had a feeling you guys kind of cross-populated some of those committees. Yeah, a lot of us do. <laughs> so um, I, this is not necessarily related to leadership, but I'd love for both of you to answer this question. You could take turns. But I, I have a feeling the listeners would love to know how um, different it was doing a lot of your studies online last year. You, you've referred a little bit to it, but... Um, was it tough last year doing a lot of uh, studies through remote learning? Um, I know for me personally, I struggled a lot at first with online just because it's such a big difference. It's hard not to have like the person connection with the teacher and the student and other students to not get to communicate with someone as well. So, I mean, you get used to it over time, but this year it's definitely a lot better for me personally. I get to talk to my teachers, ask them questions, not just watch a video of them lecturing where you can't ask any questions. How about you, Danica? Um, I agree with everything that he said, and it was really complicated being in and out. Like, some days, like, it all depended on the color map. So some weeks we were in school, some weeks we weren't, and it was just you never knew what you were going to do. Teachers didn't know what they were going to do, so their lessons were thrown out of whack. So this year, being steadily in person has been so much better, so much better. I'm so happy for you guys. Plus, one of the things that I noticed last year, because – my, my um, youngest was a senior last year, and it was difficult, uh, I know, for a lot of the kids in the public school system to hook up with their guidance counselors. And towards the end of their senior year, guidance becomes really important because they're helping them uh, fill out all those applications. That's got to be a big deal for you guys this year that you're able to really touch base with all those uh, connections to scholarships and that. Yes, our counseling department at Hedgesville is awesome. They give us so many resources for scholarships, job opportunities, internships, all that kind of like just opportunities for college and our future. They really work hard to set all that up, and they've been really good this year. Like we had College Exploration Week where we um, had all sorts of representatives from different colleges, from the military, um, technical schools, all of that. So they've been hard at work this year trying to get it back to normal and helping out as much as they can. It helps also that you can go to physically go to these uh, college fairs and visit campuses. Uh, it's like a whole new world now. Mm-hmm. 
So um, let me ask you both before I bring Annette back into the, or Mrs. Jordan, excuse me, back into the conversation. Um, where do you guys plan to go to your university training if you decide to go to uh, post-high school training at a college or, or maybe you're going to uh, uh, post-secondary education somewhere else? What are your plans? And I'll start with Ethan. Um, for me, I'm, I've already decided I'm going to get a WVU next year and major in biology. No ears. <laughs> That's awesome. So um, yeah. you've already committed then and, and done the tour and all of that, or do you have yeah, friends or family members that have already gone to WVU? Um, my mom went there, and a lot of my friends are going there. But, yeah, I've already done all the tours, and I've decided everything. So I'm excited for all that. Awesome. And they warned you about the PRT, right? Like that little people <laughs> <Yeah>. mover. <laughs> The the meme is that it's not working more than it's working, but you know what you you go in with your eyes wide open. Um, so you're sticking close to right. You're sticking close to home, Danica. How about you? Um, I'm planning to go to West Virginia Wesleyan to study post um not post secondary English education. Oh, girl! After my see, I was an English teacher for in a, in a former life as well. That's a very noble calling, and obviously. Um, you must uh, have a great degree of respect for education. Where does that come from? Yes, my mom has actually been a teacher my whole life, um, recently a principal. That's been her whole career, and I've just grown up around it, and I've really always loved it. That is awesome. Well, you're both well-spoken. I want to bring Mrs. Jordan back in the conversation if she's still around. I Uh, sure am. Hey, wow, you picked two really amazing ambassadors. I, I do have a lot of really great students that I am very proud of. And uh, so it was actually a little difficult to choose which ones. Um, <laughs> but but these are definitely two of my better ones. And I, I, I chose seniors this year because my juniors hadn't been, um, were not in leadership last year. The class is just made up of juniors and seniors. And so I, I picked some students that were in it last year and that could compare last year to this year as well. So if a listener has never heard of leadership programs in the high schools, um, are they in all four county uh, county high schools in Berkeley County? And do are there other opportunities for conferences and, and training for these students, or is most of their work done within the, the halls of the school? Yeah, the leadership program is in all four schools um, in Berkeley County. However, they're done a little bit different. I know Martinsburg High School does theirs. Um, half of the year they do um, a project, a community-based project with their students, and then the other half they actually get college credit from WVU, so they have coursework material that they do. I know Musselman and Spring Mills do it more the way that we do it, and and I followed um, Musselman's leadership guidance when we started here. They already had theirs in place, and um, we our, our goal is just to do service within the school and in the community, so anything that the school needs done, whether it's bulletin boards or um, communication, um, just doing projects, getting students involved, sort of like a pep club, but they're the leaders of the school that will organize the things and then oversee them and make sure that they follow through with them. So, Mrs. Jordan, how long have you been involved in the leadership class for Hedgesville? Um, this 2014, okay. so what's that? Six, seven years, seven mm-hmm. years. Yeah, so um, um, I took it over from Mark Barney, who mm-hmm. is now the principal at South Middle School. He was the, the leadership teacher prior to that. Um, and and we kind of also incorporated the Renaissance program from Jostens. Right. Um, and, and that has 
also led the, the things that we do and some of the activities that we, um, you know, are just are trying to promote school climate and, and embrace the culture that we have and make it a positive experience for our students at our school. So if a parent is listening and they're like, ah, maybe this sounds really interesting. Maybe I should encourage my child to sign up for Leadership Club. Uh, aside from it looking really good on a, a college application or resume, what kinds of skills will you develop students in leadership besides just, you know, the volunteering being available to help uh, the different activities in school? What, what kinds of, um, you know, tangible skills will they develop? Well, we and we do actually have a leadership application, a process to be able to get into leadership because I can only take so many students. Um, a lot of times they're student government uh, members prior to joining um, the leadership class. And then and actually this year, it's interesting that you brought that up. This year we are working with the Chick-fil-A of Martinsburg and um, and there they've got a program that's called the um, Chick-fil-A Leadership Academy. Nice. And through that, we are doing different, they work on values, teamwork, communication skills, that um, we do group projects for them to become better leaders so that they can go out into the community and use those skills, not just at the high school, but throughout their the rest of their careers. Amazing stuff. Mrs. Annette Jordan with uh, Hedgesville High School leadership class students, Danica and Ethan. If you want to listen to this uh, interview again, uh, it'll be on our Panhandle Live Facebook page and Spotify uh, probably after noon today. You guys can uh, pull those excerpts, share them on your social media as you want to. And I really appreciate you being on because you're both shining examples of what the youth today can do, uh, not only for their own futures, but impacting their high schools uh, in real time. So thank you so much for everything that you guys are doing. We really appreciate the opportunity to come and speak with you today and just get our information out there so that kids know that there are options for them to be leaders within their schools and in their community. Danica and Ethan, thank you so much, and congratulations on your senior year. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for letting us talk. All right. Y'all have a good Christmas. Take care. Thank you. You as well. And those were folks from the leadership class at Hedgesville High School. Of course, uh, those, as Mrs. Jordan mentioned, those leadership uh, clubs classes are in place in all of the uh, four high schools in Berkeley County. And sounds like they're developing a lot of good skills and are populated with some really great kiddos. From Pawpaw to Harper's Ferry, from Martinsburg to Winchester, it's Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back in to a jam-packed Panhandle Live. Jordan Nicewarner is taking a well-deserved day off. He'll be in the air on Friday. They're taking a a charter plane to Michigan. Um, He and Travis and the of course, the uh, Shepherd University Rams, their uh, coaching staff, and those amazing athletes will be uh, heading out. I, I hope they were able to make some room in their finals week for going to a semifinal for the um, National D2 Championship. Uh, if you can't make it to Michigan, you can listen in on 95.9 The Big Dog on Saturday uh, to the, the play-by-play, the amazing play-by-play by Jordan Nicewarner and Travis Hansrode. By the way, uh, I wanted to mention uh, Panhandle Live is uh, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle. They're your full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all their legal needs. Uh, you can visit them online at suttonandjanelle.com or 
in person at 224 West King Street. That's their new historic location. See, they're investing in local radio. They also invest in the infrastructure of downtown, uh, bringing some of uh, some of our uh, former glory as uh, Boomtown back uh, by rehabbing rather than tearing down a building or uh, building new somewhere uh, that used to be a parking lot. So I respect that a lot and thank them for their support of uh, local radio, of course. Uh, Jam-packed show, as I mentioned, uh, top of the show, we uh, replayed part of a segment from Berkeley County Sheriff Nathan Harmon. He is going to hold a press conference right after the end of uh, Panhandle Live here at the top of the hour to address some allegations that were put forth by an advocacy group, uh, Alley Cat Allies, uh, regarding... Berkeley County, Berkeley County Animal Control. Um, Sheriff Harmon says that the group did not contact him during the investigation. Some of those allegations, he said, uh, took place. Uh, the activities took place before he uh, took office, so he can't really uh, say that they were under his uh, jurisdiction. But he denies that uh, the folks who work for Animal Control uh, would negligently or purposefully withhold care. He talked to us a little bit about how. Um, you know, it's it's difficult when they pick up an animal. Uh, it might belong to someone else. It might have some underlying issues historically. And if they don't know that medical history, it might be difficult for them to, you know, assess and treat uh, properly and not account for allergies and that. So uh, he's defending his department. Uh, he'll have that press conference later today. The full story of our interview with him and uh, the copy of the complaint by Al, uh, by. Um, Alley Cat Allies is up on our panhandlenewsnetwork.com uh, webpage, so you can read all of that. But, uh, you know, they're pretty horrific, uh, you know, allegations uh, that, you know, one animal had to be euthanized after several days of uh, not being in good shape. They call them stories of abuse and neglect. So I'm sure uh, Sheriff Harmon is, is going to address those concerns as well. It should be noted, uh, this is a writ of mandamus, which basically implores the Supreme Court of Appeals of West Virginia to put a directive out to Berkeley County uh, Sheriff's Office's animal control to uh, to basically uh, act under the law and keep animals uh, safe and, you know, well cared for. It's not a civil suit. It's not a criminal uh, suit as far as I can see. Sheriff Harmon has, has his ideas about why this came out now. He said that the uh, group had bought some land in the county as well. You can uh, listen back to that full interview on our Panhandle Live Facebook page and, of course, on Spotify as well. Uh, we also got some uh, tips, winter driving tips, from Steve Allen over at Jefferson County Emergency Services and Homeland Security about you know winter safe driving tips, staying safe at home, as well as uh, having a, a live tree in your home and uh, keeping safe regarding that. So, um, you know, Jam, Jam WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.